Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, covering agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. This year's harvest is not yet complete, but there's already some buzz about what's in store next year for Texas high plain sorghum. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. Drought and other factors can greatly impact a livestock producer's bottom line. What can you do to mitigate your risk? I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. Rural Texas was counted in the recently concluded census. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have that story from Waco. Annual ryegrass is a cool season annual forage often utilized by livestock producers for winter grazing. However, it's often deemed an enemy of many a hay producer in East Texas. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's a look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. There's a lot of talk about sorghum as the harvest of this year's crop continues in the Texas High Plains. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. With perhaps a third of the region's sorghum still in the field, Brent Bean of the Sorghum Checkoff says... It's been an okay year, I think is the way I would classify it. Dr. Bean says while there have been good yields in the northern panhandle, the more south and southwest you go, a lot of fields were abandoned due to drought. So altogether, it certainly has not been an easy year. But looking ahead to next year, Dr. Bean says interest in sorghum appears to be on the rise. We're thinking there'll be more acres. How much more? Kind of anybody's guess, but we think there'll be at least some more acres next year. Two reasons why more acres could go to sorghum. Exports have helped fuel a strong upswing in prices, and with forecasts indicating the possibility of another dry year in 2021, sorghum does offer the advantage of being a more drought-tolerant crop than, say, corn. Now, with more sorghum acres anticipated, Bean advises farmers, take care of your seed needs. It's a good idea to get that seed booked, or you may have a more difficult time in finding your variety of choice. In Amarillo, James Hunt for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Many farm meetings are settling for virtual gatherings this year, but one Texas farm group held an in-person meeting this week. Delegates from across the state met in Waco for the annual Texas Farm Bureau Resolutions Committee meeting. Val Stevens of Dawson County says the biggest issue discussed this year was taxes. We had lots of resolutions sent in on tax entities, whether it's the appraisal district, our local taxes, and how our tax abatements, that was a, a big issue. I think the one that sticks out is the uh, the wind, wind and solar companies asking for tax abatements and the, how it affects the local entities. Farm Bureau will hold a hybrid annual meeting in a few weeks with a virtual opening session, then an in-person business session in Waco. There's no such thing as a normal year in agriculture, so what can livestock producers do to minimize drought risk? 
Jessica Domel takes a look. Drought now covers more than 30% of Texas, and the National Weather Service forecasts it will cover almost all of the state by the end of January. Justin Benavides, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service economist, told the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association drought is already taking its toll on much of West Texas. Beginning our cool season forages period, as well as beginning our winter stocker, stocking period, whether you're on native pastures or improved pastures, we're starting with a low level of soil moisture availability. Already a rough outlook going forward, and we're going to be seeing higher hay prices as a result of this, as well as lower forage availability, which is going to mean either a higher cost to keep your animals at the weight that you were hoping to achieve, or you're going to have a lower weight at sale time simply because of the available forage. Drought can greatly impact a livestock producer's bottom line. Benavides says there are some things that people can do to better mitigate their risk. He said when people think about risk management, they typically think about futures and options. And naturally, they want to hit the top of the market to make a huge profit. He said that's not appropriate risk management. Sometimes you may be lucky and you might hit the top of the market, but that is not the point here. The point of risk management is setting a profitable price based on your data and your input costs. So if you see a price, let's say that it costs you, a big example we use is corn pretty commonly. A lot of people are in the futures and options market in corn. If it costs you X amount to make a bushel of corn and you're five cents over that, it may not be the highest price that you'll see that year, but five cents over nets you a profit. And so this gets you into the black instead of the red. Flip that over and look at the cattle side. If it costs you, you know, X cents per pound, and now the price is five cents above that, you can set your price. There's dozens of tools available to help you or allow you to set a price in advance that will help you make a profit. Now on the flip side, there are risk management tools that help you mitigate losses on the production side. And so one tool we'll talk about, pasture rainfall and forage insurance, which is basically rainfall insurance, is um, a tool that helps you mitigate losses on the production side. So we have tools that help you on the pricing side, and we have tools that help you on the production side. So there's different ways that you can set prices or mitigate losses on both sides that will help you at least know and plan ahead what your income and costs are going to be. Benavida said the point is to consistently achieve profits, not to hit a home run every single year. A study out of the Center for Farm Financial Management shows us that it's producers who consistently achieve 5% better results in different categories over time that remain in business and remain profitable. That was Justin Benavides, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service Economist. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I am Jessica Domel. Rural Texas was counted in the recently concluded census. Gary Joyner has more from Waco. Counting every person living in the United States is a huge undertaking. The U.S. Census recently finished its data collection. In Texas, the final response rate was 99.9%. Almost 63% of folks in our state self-responded to the census. The other 37% were counted with follow-ups and records. 
rural Texans knew how important it was to be counted in the census. It's about representation. The Texas Demographic Center says since the last census, Texas has added over three and a half million people and is well positioned to gain at least two additional congressional seats after 2020. It's also about federal dollars. The distribution of more than $675 billion in federal funds, grants, and supports to states, counties, and communities are based on census data. This money is spent on schools, hospitals, roads, and public works. Census data are also factored into allocation of money through various farm bill and USDA programs. An undercount of the Texas population translates into a sizable loss of federal funding for the state and for Texas. The Census Bureau is tabulating all of the data, with apportionment counts sent to the president by December 31st. The goal of the 2020 census is to get a complete and accurate count. Rural Texas did its part to stand up and be counted. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Annual ryegrass is a commonly used winter forage in East Texas, but it can be a problem for hay producers. Dr. Vanessa Olson reports from Overton. Volunteer annual ryegrass can be common in hay meadows. Winter rainfalls can promote seed germination, and seeds can survive for multiple years in our soils. Later maturity of annual ryegrass can delay or prevent our warm season perennial forages from breaking dormancy in April or May therefore delaying our initial hay cutting. So how do we manage this unwanted ryegrass? We have several options. Number one, we can graze it. If your hay meadow happens to be fenced as well as have a source of water, grazing can be an excellent way to utilize the high-quality forage as well as remove it from the meadow. Number two, bale it. Harvesting ryegrass for baleage or a dry hay is an option. Baleage or haylage is forage that is baled at 50 to 60% moisture. It is then preserved in an airtight plastic wrap. Harvesting for a dry hay product can be tricky during years we have ample spring rainfall. Number three, we can spray it. Use of herbicides to control annual ryegrass is probably the most common method practiced. As with any herbicide application, timing is critical along with following label directions. Ideally for control, ryegrass needs to be sprayed when plants are less than six inches in height in the fall. Annual ryegrass is generally susceptible to post-emergence herbicides in early winter prior to freezing temperatures and before seed head emergence. Unfortunately for bahia grass growers, there are no selective post-emergent herbicides available for control of annual ryegrass. For rates and any restrictions, refer to product labels. Number four, we can outcompete it. Maintaining some substantial Bermuda grass or Bahia grass stubble could provide some shade that could reduce ryegrass seed germination. This may not provide 100% control, however, competition can help to reduce undesired plant growth. Maintaining a higher stubble height can also be beneficial for the warm season perennial future growing season. Higher stubble height means more substantial root structure to capture deeper soil moisture and nutrients. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton. White-tailed deer hunting season opens across the state Saturday. I'm Jessica Dommel and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And horses can develop oxidated stress that can lead to tissue damage and illness. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at this problem coming up next. 
right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Oxidated stress can be a problem in horses that can lead to tissue damage and illness. Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at this problem in horses. Dr. Carrie Fino from the University of California at Davis indicates oxidative stress occurs when free radical production exceeds the animal's ability to detoxify these highly reactive unstable molecules. Fortunately, the body has several naturally occurring antioxidants in place to squelch the damaging molecules and stop the chain reaction of destruction that they can cause. Dr. Stacy Oak indicates in the horse publication that vitamin E is one of the most potent antioxidants protecting various cells from harmful effects of free radicals. As long as there is sufficient vitamin E in the diet, it can stop the oxidation from occurring. And one of the most common areas that damage occurs is in cells involving the immune system. There is evidence in many domestic animals that vitamin E supplementation can improve immune function. But there are a few studies that have been performed in horses. Research shows that horses that were initially fed diets low in vitamin E and selenium had increased immune responses after vaccination when vitamin E was supplemented. Vitamin E supplementation has also been shown to increase infection-fighting white blood cells bacterial killing capacities. However, you can't just supplement every horse with vitamin E because over-supplementation can lead to bleeding problems and inappropriate metabolism of other vitamins. To determine if your horse even needs vitamin E supplementation, your vet can check the vitamin E level in your horse's blood. Also, there are a lot of differences in the type of vitamin E in supplements, so always ask your equine vet about the best type of vitamin E supplement for your horse. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Whitetail deer season is finally here. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. There is good news for deer hunters. Alan Kane, the Whitetail Deer Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with more. This year's deer season is looking good. Definitely average, but there's going to be some areas with probably above average antler quality. We're already seeing some good deer taken during archery season in South Texas and uh, parts of the hill country. We had some good spring rains, and it set the stage for good range conditions early on. And so those bucks you know, were able to recover from rut well and pick up the nutritional resources they needed to bulk up their body and, and have a good antler growing season. Obviously, it turned out hot and dry in July, late July, all the way into early September, and that hurt a little bit, but we still had good vegetation lasting through that time period, and so the deer still had plenty of good resources out there on the landscape, and so they were able to maximize their antler growth. Trends suggest that the Texas deer population is doing well. 
We're estimated to have around 5.5 million whitetail deer in the state, which works out to about 49 deer for every thousand acres out there. Obviously, deer densities vary dramatically from property to property, depending on the quality and quantity of habitat out there. And so landowners and hunters that are doing a good job managing their habitat, making it very attractive for deer, providing the best plant community out there that they can on that particular piece of property, managing for that, are probably going to see more deer out there versus a place that's just got a big hay pasture. That was Alan Kane for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. The general whitetail deer season for the North Zone is November 7th through January 3rd. For the South Zone, general season is November 7th through January 17th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was a pretty good week for the cattle market with higher closes throughout most of the week. However, on Friday, the cotton market decided to pull back some. We'll take a closer look at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this, it could be too late to save your truck and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to OLI.org for info. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We wrapped up a fairly good week in the cattle market on Friday, closing higher in both live and feeder cattle futures. December live cattle up 30 cents, 108.65, February up 70, 112.15, the April up 75 at 116.05. Feeder cattle futures closing higher, November feeders up 12, 137.70, January up 52 at 135.92. The March up 42 cents, 135.17. Cash fed cattle market saw some strength throughout the week. We wrapped up selling most of our cattle at 107 on a live basis here in Texas and up through the Midwest. When you get into the dressed cattle territory, they sold cattle at 167. So definitely a good strong week as we continue to inch these fed cattle prices higher. Boxed beef prices mixed on Friday. Choice up 76 cents, 213.31. Select down $1.21, 197.76. Let's check some feeder cattle auctions now. Mid-Tex Livestock, Anderson, Texas, selling 1,545 head. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.16 to $1.70 a pound. Three to four hundred pounders, a dollar thirty-one to a dollar ninety. Four to five weight steers, a dollar twenty-nine to a dollar eighty-five. Five to six hundred pounders, a dollar nineteen to a dollar forty-eight. Six to seven weight steers, a dollar eleven to a dollar thirty a pound. With the heavy seven to eight weights bringing a dollar five to a dollar thirty a pound. Slaughter cows, thirty-five to sixty cents. Slaughter bulls, sixty to eighty-five. Stocker cows brought 900 to 1,200 ahead. Let's check the sheep and goat auction now. Weekly sheep and goat auction in San Angelo at Producers Livestock. 
That is the largest sheep and goat auction in the country. They sold 6,259 head of sheep and goats. Compared to last week, the wool feeder lambs sold steady. Slaughter hair lambs, 10 to 20 higher. Slaughter ewes sold near steady. Kid goats sold 10 to 20 higher. The slaughter nannies, $1.20 to $1.78, mostly $1.45 to $1.65. Mature billies, $1.70 to $2.26. Wold feeder lambs, $1.92 to $2.72. Slaughter lambs, lighter weights bringing $2.20 to $3.14. Heavier weight slaughter lambs, $1.60 to $2.78. Slaughter ewes, 70 cents to $1.32. The kid goats, 220 to 358, mostly 275 to 320. Now back over to the futures market. A big drop in lean hogs on Friday, December, down 252, closing at 6490. February hogs down a dollar forty-five, sixty-seven oh two. Class three milk continues to drop lower. December milk down 74 cents. 1868 a hundredweight. The cotton market closed lower on Friday, feeling the pressure from harvest. We're seeing harvest moving full speed ahead across the entire cotton belt, and that is bound to push prices lower. The 6-10 to 10 day and 8-14 to 14 day forecast showing above normal temperatures and above normal rainfall for both the U.S. Delta and the southeast. We close with December cotton down 145 points. 68.62, March cotton down 106, 70.15. The wheat market closed lower on Friday. It looks like good weather, warm weather, helping this new wheat crop get off to a good start is pressuring prices somewhat. We do have a weaker dollar out there providing a floor under the grain markets, but we ended up closing lower on Friday. December Kansas City wheat down seven and three quarters, 5.55 and a quarter. New crop July wheat down six and three quarters. 572 a bushel. The corn market closing lower also. December contract down two and a half cents, 406 and three quarters. In the energy markets, December natural gas down six at 288. December crude oil down a dollar sixty, 3719. And in the financial markets, the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 93 points, 28,297. The Nasdaq down 23 at 11,867. The S&P 500 down 8, 3,501. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to check us out next time. We'll be standing by right here to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.